All right, Matthew, welcome to episode 46 of the Performance Advantage podcast. This week we're talking training for cross-country mountain biking with professional mountain bike coach, Dr. Matt Miller. The show sponsor for today is Fern Glen Farm. Fern Glen Farm works with sheep milk for athletes. It's crazy, but sheep milk has twice the protein and calcium of cow's milk, all the essential amino acids, it contains only A2 proteins, which are way better than the silly A1s. It's also higher in iron, magnesium, phosphorus, zinc, thiamine, riboflavin, medium chain fatty acids, lilac acid, vitamin A, C, B1, B2, B6, B12, and D. And for you guys, our lucky listeners, if you share this podcast, Ferngleam Farms will send you a box of performance sheep milk with a bunch of different flavors. Matt tried it, he loved it, I love it, try it out, check it out, Fern Glen Farm. Thanks for supporting the podcast and all you need to do is share this podcast once we put it out on social media, wherever you hang out on social media and we'll pick one of you lucky people to get that box of super performance sheep milk. Alright, let's get on with the show. All right, Matt, what have you been up to these last few days? Yeah, um, I guess lots of things. Tell you what I've done is I've joined in on some training sessions with one of my athletes, which basically means that um, when we're doing threshold workouts, if we're going up a hill, I'm trying to get a head start and then I'm getting caught and passed. Or if we're on the flat road, I'm drafting and hanging on for dear life. So it's been pretty good. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a bit of fun. I haven't been doing any training, so you're probably getting well, ahead Well, I'm trying of me. to work off that cruise because going away on a cruise and just kind of having access to buffets all the time doesn't do a lot for the fitness. It doesn't really do a lot for anything. Right, because you went on a cruise around South America, didn't yeah, you, with your family? Yeah, just a short one, but, you know, you don't do much and you eat a lot because it's just everything's available. And then traveling back to New Zealand, just trying to get back into it for the autumn. We've had some pretty great riding weather, so just been getting amongst it on the road bike, did a bit of running, and obviously lots of mountain biking. It's awesome. Yeah, just as an update, Matt, although I haven't really pretty much done anything, my hamstring is a small minor hamstring tear. So if you listen last week, and I thought I had a stress fracture, I was overreacting. I didn't. It's all good. I'm ready to get back into it and on towards my next few projects. Isn't one of those projects to race the Air DH at Crankworks? Um, I still need to look into that. Okay. Yes. yes. So that's a yes. It's coming up next week. It's a it's a soft yes. It's, a, it's yeah, literally I know. in one week's time. Which, uh, I did I did a couple grade fives okay. over the weekend just to test it out. Yeah, and um. I yeah. didn't fall off, so you're I, ready. I think maybe, maybe I'll. It sounds I'll, like you're I'll ready. I guess we'll have out, to yeah. hook up the brake power meter to your bike. That'd be really. That'd cool. be cool. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we might as well get into uh, your topic because I'm pretty excited to talk about training for cross country mountain biking this week. Yeah, yeah. We did this one a long time ago, and like we said in our year in review of podcasting our early episodes were so bad right just mostly the 
sound quality was pretty bad. Maybe it's obviously not that bad because that one still gets a lot of listens, but we'd like to redo it. And one of the cool things about being a coach is you're constantly learning things on the job. Like, even though we have years of experience coaching and we understand our sports really well from competition and even the science side, I think we learn a lot along the way. So there's always more to talk about. So revisiting a topic is pretty fun and uh, enlightening, I think. Yeah, especially getting all the questions, you know, that we get back from the listeners and our athletes and new people that we work with where you hadn't yeah, fully maybe covered those specific topics or areas within the, so these are part of our revisited series that we'll do throughout the year and just the more popular episodes that people enjoy. All right, let's get into it. Dr. Matt's Training for Cross Country Mountain Biking Chat is brought to you by SmartMTBTraining.com. This is Matt's very own self-coaching software. So it sets you up with like oodles of different training plans. His like whole workout library, which you can just grab workouts, drag and drop them into your calendar. He's got a mobile app. It's all accessible, currently on special for just $99 a year. That is nuts. That is crazy for the amount of training plans, strength and conditioning plans, videos, articles. It's all in there. So if you like what Matt's saying today, you can just go in, 99 bucks for a year, smartmtbtraining.com and get all his information and pick his brains behind the scenes. All right, Matt, let's go. Tell me. How do I train for cross-country mountain biking? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we, we talked about this yesterday, like how are we going to structure the podcast? I was like, well, I don't know. I think I actually need some time to prepare. And your response to me was, well, actually, this is your job. So if I asked you a question right now, you'd be able to answer it. So that's kind of what we're going to do today is that you're you're going to ask me specific questions and I'm going to answer them to the best of my ability. Yes. And hopefully not trip up. (laughs) (laughs) One of my questions is road cycling, mountain biking. Is it the same? Like, is it the same kind of training? It depends. So (laughs) the... You, you need to be fit for road cycling and you need to be fit for cross country mountain biking. Like but one of the, so what, the reason I asked this question is like, you can't just mountain bike 24, like for every single ride. Most people don't have access, access to like the trails like that or even like cross country specific ones. A lot of it is like up a hill, down a hill kind of thing. So a lot of people train on the road. Can I just train on the road and then upskill in the weekends? That kind of, you know, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on accessibility. There are some athletes that I've worked with that don't even have the opportunity to ride on trails or even on the road until the weekend because they're, you know, travel a lot. They're stuck on the smart trainer in the week. And I think actually you can do a lot with that because the the main weakness for most mountain bikers is physical fitness and the ability to go up a hill. So if you're really, really fit, you can make up for a lack of skill. 
not ideal by any means, but you could prepare to be okay without really spending a whole lot of time on trails. The problem with riding on trails a lot is trails are always pretty hard. So if you spend too much time on trails, it could actually have the opposite effect where you're getting a bit too much fatigue, especially in your your whole body because you're absorbing and damping uh, impacts the whole time you're riding. So you can like the just just one weekend ride would be enough. Not not just one weekend ride, but one weekend on the trails, and then I can do the rest of my riding on the road or on the trainer. Yeah, I think it it could be, and a lot of it depends on accessibility. So, like you say, like some of our trails locally, you know, it's twenty thirty minute drive to get to the trail. So if you're looking at that both ways, you're talking an hour eating into someone's potential training time. So a lot of athletes will just reach for the road bike because you can be training right out your door. Um, and it'll really depend on what the athlete's weaknesses are. So if an athlete's skills are really good, then maybe they don't need to be spending a whole lot of time on the mountain bike. Um, obviously, we love it. Like We're mountain bikers. We want to spend time on the trails. So most of us are going to be spending most of our time on the trails anyway. But um, if you're limited and you don't have great access to trails, I don't think it's a, a huge worry for you. All right. All right. Because also the other thing, I've been riding my mountain bike a bit since I've been having some time off running. And, uh, man, I go too hard. Like, I love, love, love Strava. Love to get a good PR. Because not just, like, trying to match up against everyone else. But the good thing about Strava on the trails is, like, you get to immediately, what did I do on Eagle vs. Shark? As you did, Like, some of my favorite ones. And I, I, like, I'm almost at the point where I just can't just cruise down because I just want to be a bit faster. Um, and also some of the climbs are just hard, just hard to get up them on a, you know, I think my bike weighs about 13 kgs. Um, to haul that thing up a hill is, is pretty hard. Yeah. It's definitely not as easy as like rolling around on your road bike. Yeah. That, that's for sure. Like, um, Mountain biking is just inherently hard. Um, even if you're trying to go easy, there are going to be some bits that are pretty hard. So if you, whether that's going up a hill or downhill. So, and it's really hard to get that good balance of having fun and not riding too hard all the time. So normally when I'm, for example, planning someone's training program or some of the training programs that I have available, what we're planning for is that the mountain bike rides that you have, they're going to be pretty hard. So we're making sure that the rest of the time, what we're doing is we're not doing too many intervals because we don't want too much intensity throughout the week. Ah, oh, right. That's a good way to do it. Because when you want to get out, if you only get out on the trails once a week, you want to make the most of it. You don't want to be like restrict heart rate restricted, power restricted, because you're, you're not going to do it. Yeah. All right. So especially for the um in the gravity fed athletes because what they want to do so this is this goes for cross-country athletes as well that need to work on their descending you can't go slow on a descent to get better at riding down a hill so there needs to be an element of riding hard even on the descent so what what makes way more sense is to make sure that a mountain bike ride usually has a hard element to it or that it counts towards one of your hard weeks because it's 
hard rides of the week because it's going to be pretty hard anyway. Yeah. And most people for cross country mountain biking, they've got three to four days per week to train. So straight off the bat, you're going to, I want to know how to structure my week. What are, what are you going to give me? Well, you, I would have to do some profiling on you to figure out what your weaknesses are, right? So that's what I would do working one-on-one with an athlete. And there are some athletes that come to me that their skills are their limiting factor. Mm-hmm. And that's not uncommon, you know, because to be really good at cross-country mountain biking, what you need to do is be really, really fit so you can get up the hills quickly. But you also need to be really skilled so you can get down the hills smoothly without wasting a lot of energy and also not lose any time. So a lot of athletes come to me where skill is the number one thing that they need to develop. That's pretty hard to train remotely. So yeah. a lot of times I'll recommend like a technique, uh, a mountain bike skills technique coach like Harlan Price, who we, we had on the podcast before. He was here visiting to test the brake power meter. Those guys are great. Um, and girls because they're one on one showing you the techniques that you can work on. So I've tried to you know, build some technique workouts within the training plans that I have. And for some people, you know, working on fitness during the week and working on technique on the weekends when they can get to the trails is a really good mixture. Yeah. And most, when we talk about cross country, I guess we have a couple different events because, uh, locally in New Zealand, currently we've got some, some big races like 50 kilometers, um, you know, 80 kilometers, 100 kilometers, you know, there's a few hours. So there's like that kind of cross country. And then there's the racing, which is, I don't know, an hour to 90 minutes, um, which feels like an all out effort for that whole entire time. Um, like yeah. if I'm, if I'm doing the nineties, I'm doing the cross country racing, doing my local series, maybe a national series. It's hard, man. Like it's really hard. Like how, how are you going to prepare me for those? Cause it feels like I need a lot of power, like in and out of those turns up those short pinches, like nothing was constant. Um, do you, yeah, like, do I have to incorporate that? Like, am I doing sprints or am I doing more threshold stuff? Cause it's not like it's sprinting out of the corners, but you do have like these it feels huge, like it. Yeah, it does. It does, it does but no, it's like also it. within a, an hour and a half race so it's clearly not sprinting or that feels like it yeah like there's a yeah so there's a differentiation that needs to be made with the different kinds of mountain bike racing so you have uh, cross-country olympic which is your standard you know xc kind of race which is 90 minutes or less and that's what especially in new zealand that's what most people end up doing because we have a lot of club races that are pretty short at about an hour and uh, a lot of the bigger races, such as national championships and things like that, are going to be cross-country Olympic style. But then we have lots of these underground style events, which have a huge following that might be 80Ks. And you're talking, they're taking you up the biggest, gnarliest climbs, the longest descents. You're out there in the middle of nowhere, and the adventure is really part of it. Yeah. Um. Whereas, you know, cross-country, you're doing small loops over and over and it's more head-to-head racing made to be short so it's maybe more exciting to watch whereas with the longer stuff the marathon style racing they call it marathon mountain bike racing no one's really going to watch that (laughs) you just like have your 
your loved ones out there are handing you bottles like in the middle of nowhere so that way you can stay hydrated and that's about the extent of the people watching but with each of those kinds of racing in a way they pretty much need the same kinds or similar kinds of fitness so we know this because if we look at well if we think about how the muscles work and then what they're actually doing within the race with their power output we can make that call of kind of what the fitness aspects are that they need to work on so the first thing to consider is what you do in cross-country mountain biking and that's go hard and have a rest hard and have a rest over and over and over and over <laughs> so we know that if we sprint all out one time we're going to be really really tired and need a long break so we don't do that all the time in terms of power output when we're mountain biking they're actually relatively low intensity sprints even though they look like they're high intensity and that's because you're paying for the start effort that you just did um so what we're what we end up doing really in a cross-country mountain bike race is we end up averaging our our power output is somewhere around our threshold and actually to be able to sprint over and over and over or do a high intensity effort over and over and over and not get slower as we go the best thing that we can do is to work on our ability to go at a moderate intensity for a long time so that's your threshold area so that is one of the most important aspects of fitness to work on for cross-country mountain biking wow so that's like yeah that's similar to um triathlon like you got to hold that constant you just don't have the you just don't have the need to sprint above that unless you're doing olympic style same as yeah like where the sprints are important so you just have to you need to make sure you've got a really high threshold so that the level at which you come back to is not so so low yeah so this um like the first research study i ever did we were there because there's this test called the ftp test which yep. is kind of a standard in cycling it's your functional threshold power and it's a way to do like a, a test on an indoor bike to figure out around what your lactate threshold is so lactate thresholds um it's just well accepted in cycling because it's just well accepted in cycling so that's what it's, people have brought around for and years and it is like metabolically it is like the 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 line of no return you start going above here you you can't really you can, you can't sustain it forever below that line it's like you can start to you know the longer and longer you can sustain things yeah yeah yes. and that's why right yeah 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 it's this aerobic this high-end aerobic ability is super important for cycling so mountain bikers came in and they're like well what we need to do is we need to work on our high-end aerobic ability and be able to do pretty much what road cyclists do did they and, change their voice like that uh it was probably more like we need to do what road cyclists do <laughs> something like that <laughs> all right yeah cool <laughs> yeah I, well, so I'm, I'm a young scientist here and I don't know, I don't really have a good, a really good understanding of what the muscles are doing. So I thought to myself, well, actually with cross country mountain biking, what we do is we do a hard effort and recover, a hard effort and recover. 
and it makes sense if you've ever tried it and it makes sense if you look at your power output. So what I wanted to do was to design a field test where you could measure your ability to do a hard effort and recover. So we designed this test that was 20 minutes in length, just like an FTP test, and you did a 40 second effort um, as hard as you could, and then yeah. had a 20 second recovery. Mm -hmm. So you did that for 20 minutes. Which 20 minutes? Really, yeah, that's pretty painful. Uh, that's a pretty long time, but we wanted it to be similar to the FTP test, because we were trying to see, like, is this repeat sprint test representative of what you actually do in cross-country mountain bike racing. Can this predict performance better? So I'm sitting there thinking, well, yeah, definitely, because aerobic ability isn't that important. So we right. tested everyone. Yeah. And uh, this was supported by PowerTap, who they've, they've now been sold, actually. Um, so they sent me a bunch of power meters and trainers, and I just went around to people's houses for multiple weeks and just had them thrash themselves in these tests. And then at the end of this test, all these testing days, we had a, we set up our own cross country race. And I think I ended up with like 12 or 13 people. We all did this cross country race. I had my dad out there like keeping lap times <laughs> and, you know, with a stopwatch writing it down because I was racing and we wanted so we then we looked at some relationships so does this repeat sprint test i think i called it intermittent power test does this predict performance better than the, the ftp test and it did slightly but in the end it didn't they were pretty much the same thing so if you were really good at doing a repeat sprint you were you had a really high ftp and if you had a really high FTP, you were really good at doing sprints over and over. And yeah. if you had a really high FTP and you could do lots of sprints over and over, you had a really fast race time. So I was like, how could this be? Like, this doesn't even make sense. Cross-country mountain biking is hard effort over and over and over. So I looked more into, like, what's actually going on in the muscle. And there's some older research from um, one of the scientists that was originally involved with Lance Armstrong kind of helping him out understand training things like that and his his paper said your ability to do hard efforts over and over is based on your aerobic efficiency so it's that ftp level your highest level of aerobic efficiency so if you if that's good that's how you're able to do repeat sprints over and over and over and it blew my mind we got that study published and that was my first publication journal of science and cycling and it's my most read paper ever. And I think for me, it really came as a surprise. So like that, I was like, well, I guess we need to work on this for cross country mountain biking. Yeah. That, so we, that we underlying did. fitness. Right. Right. And it did, it didn't really make sense to me because I had always trained where I was just pretty much thrashing myself. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how that went. Right, it overtraining well. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you're constantly thrashing yourself, doing what you think your sport needs, you you have the potential to overdo it, and that's not ideal. Yeah, it's we all have those light bulb moments. I think like it's the same with me when I like realized that 
not eating carbohydrate, like what we went over in last episode, like, or like, you know, if I was like completely avoided fat, I'd not get fat. As you know, like went through that process and it's the same kind of thing. But why do you think it's so hard to grasp that concept of like having that underlying fitness will raise every single level, maybe not like peak power output because that's very specific. But if I want to run a marathon, why don't I just run at marathon pace all the time? And then that will improve, right? Like why, why do we miss that? The, the whole scope below it, do you think? I think the reason in mountain biking, especially cross country mountain biking is because we know what a race feels like and a cross country mountain bike race is really really hard you're pretty much on the limit the entire time mm-hmm. in terms of your feeling but the main issue there is that the whole time what most people are doing within a cross country mountain bike race is they're paying for the really hard effort at the start where they overpaced yeah so if you went out there and you did a maximum effort right now, you'd be paying for it for a long time, right? Like, I always use the example of, like, sprinting to the donut shop. <laughs> oh, and I always gave that example when I was teaching these kind of concepts. Like, I'm standing in, if I sprint to the donut shop, I'm standing in line, like, paying for that sprint for a pretty long time. But in a cross-country race, what you, what most people do, and this is what I did for years and years and years, I would do that sprint as hard as I could to the donut shop, but then I had to continue racing for another 90 minutes. Yeah. That feels really, really hard for a really long time because you're paying for that effort. So it feels a lot like how you feel when you're doing intervals, right? Because you go really hard and then you have a short rest and you go really hard again and have a short rest. That feels like a bit like a VO2 max interval set. Um, when in reality, actually in mountain biking, you're not going that hard all the time. So there are periods where you're going really hard, but a lot of the efforts that we're doing in cross country mountain biking are lower than what most people would expect. They're somewhere around the threshold level. They just feel really hard. They just feel really hard. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of them. It makes sense. But most, a lot of what you're doing is you're paying for the super hard effort in the start. This is why I'm so serious about pacing. What most of us can do to improve our performance is just work on our pacing. And we'll suddenly love, perform love way pacing. better. Love a good pacing. Love it. Love pacing. Uh, but we can't, we can't not like, so the, the way to improve aerobic capacity is to what on my mountain bike, bike cycling, just, ride easy yeah you you need to ride easy sometimes we can't ignore the like i must have to you have to do the intervals right like i gotta yeah, train for sure for i gotta sure. train the hard like those repeated sprints otherwise i'm just going to be really fit right that's exactly right so we spend a lot of time in training for mountain biking just getting really fit and working on our ability to deliver blood, working on our cardiovascular system, working on our ability to deliver and utilize oxygen. Like, that is a huge limiting factor. Like, all of those, those are the hugest limiting factors, and that's why most of us aren't pro. 
because we don't have this huge ability to deliver and utilize oxygen. Yeah. That's what's holding us back. But of course we need to do those hard efforts because we need to work on the other aspects of our fitness, like being able to quickly convert lactate into fuel, which is super important because that's going to be circulating around from the high intensity efforts. We need to do that for sure, without a doubt. But if we're always spending our time going really, really hard, what happens is we start to overlook working on our fitness. Yeah. And that's what a lot of us miss out on. Yeah. Then what do you have to say about some of those studies, which is like you can do HIT training, like high intensity interval training, like every day or like three times a week <laughs> for 45 minutes or 30 minutes, and you can improve your VO2 max. Well, the first thing is that VO2 max doesn't really mean anything for cross-country mountain bikers. The The main thing that we're concerned about is with our VO2 max, if we ever do a VO2 max test, is where on that spectrum our threshold lies. That's the most important thing for the VO2 max test. We find out how close our threshold is to our maximum capacity, and we figure out if there's any leeway in there to kind of improve. Um, so just by improving VO2 max, we may improve our cross-country mountain bike performance, but it, do, it, it doesn't mean we're going to continue continuously prove our performance forever. Because the main issue with doing high-intensity training all the time is that you get tired really quickly. Mm. And I've, I know, I've been there. You can only do so much before you really need to pull back. And if you're doing a lot of that and also trying to work on your fitness, like your aerobic fitness at the same time, then you can really get tired really quick. So it's about balancing the, the two. And that, that is the magic in training. Not what session you're doing, not um, how many times you stand on your head and juggle a weight with your eyes closed and balance on a skateboard. Um, although some people do them. Those are cool. Um, it's more about when to do different things based on when we want to perform. Right. So I've got for three to four days to train for a mountain biking what does very standard week look like for me well well not for me for the for the like example person who has three to four days a week to train yeah, we'll for use you as the example okay that's pretty good because you're there now right because you haven't trained in what yeah two weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah Usually what we like to do is start the week off pretty hard. I think I've found over the years that that's a pretty good way to do it because you start off, usually what most athletes do is they have a Monday off, like that's, or as an easy day, right? That's like almost standard across the board is like your Monday is pretty chilled out. Yeah, training peaks should just put either <laughs> recovery slash easy day yeah. on Mondays, eh? Just as a just default, automatically. just to stop I'm us putting it in. I'm tired of dragging it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I constantly have to like type in rest, rest, and then I copy, paste, I'm just automatically, pretty much every Monday for most people. Um, that was me yesterday, I gotta say. After doing a few of those sessions um, with my athletes, I was pretty tired, so I just went fishing instead. But So we'll have a Monday resting, and then... You know, Tuesday's a nice day to do something really hard. 
and get your hardest workout out of the way when you're really fresh and ready to go. You don't have any fatigue really built in from that seven day block. Yeah. So yeah. you're pretty much as fresh as you can get. For that How week. much of most sessions for, um, you know, your, your everyday weekend warrior going to be what around an hour, right? Yeah. I think the harder it is, the shorter it should be. Yeah. And what are you making that hour up? Like, is it all hard? Are you giving, is there like 15 minute warm up, cool down and you're doing, yep. or are you, there is so very concentrated effort. Yeah, for sure. It, it depends kind of what we're working on, but yeah, I guess if when we're doing that really hard workout, it's going to be pretty short. Like you're going to want to get it done in an hour, hour and a half. And yeah. you're talking something where maybe you're doing five minute VO2 max efforts at the longest mm-hmm. where you're going like pretty hard or at the shorter end, maybe we're doing like 30 second repeats and then resting in between them. Because the whole point is when we're going hard, the harder we go, the longer we need to recover in between these efforts. So if we're doing something like a 30 second effort, we need an equal amount of recovery. In between that, we could do a few of them before we need to take a longer recovery. And that's one of our standard workouts where we do like 30 seconds at VO2 max pace, 30 seconds rest. Do that five times, recover for five minutes, and then do another set. And that's going to be pretty standard for us. And the harder we go, the longer of a recovery we need. And what what would be the biggest mistake people make with interval training? Interval, like within the session, not like you know, doing them too often or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. I think most, the biggest mistake is going to be going way too hard for the first one. And I know I always made this mistake when I was training with heart rate because I was like, okay, well, I know what my heart rate zone is for this 30 second effort. <laughs> so I pretty much go all out <laughs> for the first effort just to try and get my heart rate up. And then I'd suffer through the rest of the efforts. That probably wasn't the best approach because what it meant is that I went all out for 30 seconds, just like how I would in uh, the start of a race to get my heart rate up. And it felt like I was working really hard. Then what probably was happening is that in the next effort I did, my power output was down lower because I was trying to match that heart rate again. It just actually, it takes a long time for your heart rate to actually get up to match the effort that you're doing. And yeah, especially if you're going straight in something like that hard. Yeah. Uh, oxygen deficit. Yeah. The recovery time on that depends on fitness level as well. Yeah, sure. Like the fitter we are, the faster we can match that effort uh, with uh, delivery of oxygen. But um, still, I think what I usually recommend is for athletes to kind of pull back on those first couple efforts in a set. Just a little bit, especially when they're training with heart rate. If you're training with power, so like with smart MTB training, for example, and all my training peaks, uh, training plans, they all come with, uh, a power, uh, a file for a smart trainer, right? So you can download that straight to your smart trainer and then it's at the power that it's meant to be at. So you can't overpace. And I found that that's actually been really handy for working with athletes anywhere. And I can see what's happening to their heart rate. It's pretty low in the first couple efforts. And the next few sets, then it starts to get 
up to where they need to be. So that's that's been great, seeing athletes do that. That was pretty good. I put you on the spot there with the the biggest mistake. That's a good one, actually. I wouldn't have uh, thought about that, but that is very true, yeah. Like getting over, even with power, though, you can be like, no, I can... I can hold more than this. <laughs> but yeah, there is, there's a lot more of them, of those intervals than you think. All right. Cool. So we got our interval on, on Tuesday. Then, then is that us? That's, that's us for the hard training. Now we just do whatever we want. Well, again, it depends, but <laughs> usually what we do is we probably try and back that up with something endurance, right? So if you do a really hard ride on Tuesday, maybe on the Wednesday, you can do an, in, an endurance ride. Um, and am I going as nice easy as possible or do I have to try? <laughs> so many of these things depend, Will. I would have <laughs> to have a look at your past training to be able to decide. But normally not as easy as you can go. I think a lot of riders have a tendency to ride, like always want to be at the upper level of their endurance zone, which is, you know, kind of zone one to two. And always make sure if the upper limit is 250 watts or something, they're right at 250 watts. That's a pretty high uh, power output for an endurance zone. <laughs> but <laughs> we see it. Um, that's just as an example. And I find myself falling into that trap sometimes too. Like, actually, I don't need to be going this hard for endurance. Um, but somewhere like in zone two is like a nice average. It's a hard one, right? Yeah, because I, it's I really hard. Say things like that, like, oh, at, at zone, at zone two. Like, it's sometimes just something I'd say or in zone two. And it's always the top end, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Why? For a lot of athletes, zone, zone means the actual, like, highest level of the zone. Yeah. So what, like, we need to reestablish those zones. <laughs> to uh, zones, bring it. zones annoy me. Oh yeah, zones annoy me. Yeah, yeah. Why? Um, just because they're not like they sound so personalized because it's a percentage of your threshold, but even that system's not perfect because not everyone has the same ability within a zone because we're not actually measuring what's happening with oxygen delivery and fuel utilization. Yeah, so, I find I find zones yeah the same like. I find threshold, the aerobic threshold seems to be very well calculated, like set for a lot of athletes, right? Like you can kind of just through racing, once, once you've coached an athlete for long enough, you can see this pace, power output, heart rate, like above that, you start to diminish. But then how far you can go is so hard, right? Cause like mine is massive. I've got this big, zone two essentially where lactate won't accumulate but it still does accumulate at like a you know a th- like that equilibrium where it's like accumulating but clearing and then above that you know i can run a marathon at almost 190 like two and a half hours which is crazy for, yeah yeah like i can mm. like i can maintain this really high um I guess like rate of, of lactate, lactate threshold. Like I have a high, higher capacity of that as well. But then for some people, you know, they can be, I've 
run one of my training partners back in the day, we were like very, very similar. But his windows, his zones were all very narrow. Right, so as soon as he went, say, above 160, he went to 190 and burnt out. <laughs> like, But just below that, he was able to, like, we, we were the same, you know? We were both just just cruising. And then if I went a bit above, I could go all the way up to 170 and it would barely even, like, register kind of thing. I'd just be hurting. And he would go up one beat and I'd go up 10 you know, but then below that we were exactly the same where we could cruise 140s and we're running about the same pace. But this capacity to go above that was just like dramatically different. And that's hard. It's hard to explain, right? And athletes were like, I did this. How hard was that? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, it's pretty tough. And a lot of athletes differ in how long they can maintain even a zone two. Some athletes can maintain an upper end of zone two almost forever, whereas others, they can do it for maybe an hour and a half and they start to need like a snack, right? Um, and it just comes down to efficiencies at different levels, and especially at mountain biking. Like we just need to be really efficient at most levels because our sport demands us to really. And we need to be skilled. Like, it's a pretty big ask as far as an athlete goes, like, that you need to be, like, pretty good at all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And cross-country mountain biking is tough. It's a hard sport to train for. That's why I'm really interested in some of this stuff. All right. So we're doing our endurance right. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm training, I might be getting ahead of myself, but if I'm training three to four days, am I doing a quote-unquote recovery ride? Or is that a waste nah, of time? I think your time's probably better spent actually training because you're spending a lot of time resting. Like, recovery rides are nice, and I definitely, in my coaching arsenal, I probably used them maybe too much in the past, I think. Because a lot of times, like, endurance is also not that demanding. Like an endurance ride is also not super hard. And if we but like you said, days, for for some people, ninety minutes at endurance, which on paper does not look that demanding, for some people it is. It just yeah, it makes it really tough to just put a blanket like this is what you need to do. Um, if you only have three days a week, though, I think doing an active recovery ride is not a good day of one of your days per week. Because you're spending four days a week recovering. So it's probably better spent either at endurance or probably doing something high intensity just to make up for the reduced time that you have available. So then when we're in the weekend, what is our weekend? Because it has to be long. That's the time we've got, right? Yeah. yeah. But then you said you need to do skills because I'm on the trails. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you said it needs to be hard because yep. I'm on the trails. Yeah. What is the session well, it's like? It's gonna that? be hard. I've got three hours. Okay. Oh wow, you're a lucky one then. <laughs> okay. Right? Like not a lot of people have that amount of time. Yeah, yeah, a especially lot of people, a school sport and everything. Yep. Like if you got kids to take care of or like a garden to take care of, like maybe you don't have three hours on the weekend. But if you do, like we can definitely like obviously we can work with that. And if you have less time, we can work with that too. But it's great to get on the trails on the weekend. 
that's when you see the most people out at the trails. Um, that's when you have a really good opportunity to, to ride with other people and maybe work on your skills. So the weekend's a great time to get in combination mountain bike ride that's going to be intense just because you're mountain biking and skills work and just to have a bit of fun and not think about a whole ton of structure right that but are you going to give me some things that i need to work on oh yeah like so if should i just be doing the shortest trail or the longest trail like smashing up hills how you know as there is like this I want to know, you know, I don't want to be going out there and then <laughs> yeah, say, oh, yeah, Matt yeah. said hit, hit the hard, hit the downs hard, cruise the ups or something. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely, so usually what we do is we'll prescribe some sort of like a skill session because that's a great way to make use of your time on the trail, have a bit of fun and to repeat something that you can focus on, right? If you dial in a skill really quickly, you can just spend the rest of the time riding at a normal fun pace, which is normally how I prescribe it. Fun ride. Choose any pace, right? Because that's what we do when we're riding with our friends. We ride how our friends are riding. We go hard sometimes. We stand around, talk crap a bunch of times, and repeat, right? And then we go down a hill, try as hard as we can. Maybe we crash or something get back up and do it again. So yeah, I usually leave it pretty open for the athletes to choose their own pace and then we give them some sort of a skill to work on. Um, A lot of athletes don't want the direction of a certain skill to work on because they have a really good idea of the skills that they need to work on anyway for their specific style of racing. So it's, it's a really good opportunity, I find, to leave the weekend to have to focus on fun. And to keep the training for the times that we can't get out on the trails, especially when trail time's limited. Yeah, right. Okay. So then we, so we're pretty much done for our week. We're ready to start racing. Yeah, pretty much. You know, we might do a threshold ride. Like, so if we're not backing up a high intensity interval ride with endurance, maybe because we have even more reduced time, we'll do something like threshold. So either back it up or add it another day in the week on the weekends if we can. And there's also the strength training element, which mountain bikers are, obviously there's a lot of advertising for them to think that strength training is the most important thing that they can do, which I don't think that it is (laughs) because it's not. Um, But it's definitely an important element that we also add in. Okay, so we're done. We kind of got our structure for the week. In terms of like on the bike. Right now we've yeah. got off the bike. Like you said, it's important. And that's yeah. a lot easier to fit in, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Like at a, at a lunchtime, you might be able to head over to the gym, right? And get some, just cause you're in town or whatever. Like you don't need to have a bike available, even traveling. What do we, do we need to do it? Do we need, do I need to be strength training? You should be. Okay. Yeah, cool. pretty much every athlete I work with is doing strength training at some capacity. So, for example, on Smart MTB training, we have the home full body circuit. So, it's a circuit I do it pretty regularly. You don't need any equipment. I just do it like in shorts in my lounge. 
Don't use any equipment. You're doing pretty standard strength movements that is in some way incorporating most muscles of your body in a different way. And that's actually the real benefit of strength training is that we're recruiting muscles that we don't normally recruit. And that is improving our capacity to do work because suddenly we're creating these neuromuscular junctions with muscles that aren't getting called upon when we're riding on the trainer or aren't getting called upon when we're doing uh, even a high-intensity effort. We do strength training because we're able to create this really high force that is able to call in these muscles and suddenly we're able to use them to do work on the bike, which is really good because then we can save the other muscle fibers for when it comes time to really dig deep. We're kind of increasing our capacity to do hard work for longer and even low intensity work in a way. It gets pretty involved. We should probably have actually a full episode on just that. Yeah. With the, you got the at home stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I can do that. Yeah. If I'm going to the, the gym, like, because I do, do we squats, deadlifts, bicep oh, yeah. curls? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mainly bicep curls core work balance <laughs> I would never have someone juggle with their eyes closed do anything so, like that but <laughs> most not most there's a lot of professional mountain bikers some of the best in the world you see them on social media they're doing balance based work yeah you know they're sitting on a bike with no hands having holding on to like stretch cords and their coach is pulling them in different directions. Maybe they're on rollers or maybe they're standing on a BOSU, you know, balance ball juggling. Like why do you think that's not important? Like it looks like it's going to translate to better bike handling. Sure. It definitely looks like it would, but I think for the pros adding that kind of stuff at the end of an already intense workout probably makes a lot of sense because first of all they need to keep it interesting because Mm -hmm. you can only do so many squats and so many deadlifts and so many pull-ups or so many bicep curls before it starts to maybe feel a bit boring yeah so you do that and then that's when you're doing your juggling or balancing on a skateboard or other things like that so for them when they have a lot of time to train doing that kind of stuff really makes sense to keep it interesting and because they have the time whether it's making the most difference to their performance or not i don't know right i i i don't think for us who maybe have three or four days a week to train that that's what we should be focusing on right if we have one hour a day in the week our time could be much better spent because the main thing that is holding us back in our performance is our ability to transport and utilize oxygen. So maybe Not- we should spend way more time to do that. Okay. Just going to cross <laughs> juggling blindfolded <laughs> off my program. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, I, the other thing. So I often think about like, okay, why the heck do the pros post all this stuff on their Instagrams? Like, like this is the only thing that they do. That's what it seems like. But like how many, who wants to watch on someone in, someone's Instagram story? Who wants to watch a squat? 
Like you can only watch that so many times. It's not very engaging. <laughs> but watching someone do something maybe that's a little bit silly that they're only doing because they have the extra time to do it and you know it looks funny it's like it's worth getting a video for yeah but doing a squat like no one wants to see that or like doing a long base ride or even a <laughs> moderately uh a moderate distance endurance ride like nobody wants to see that no one cares but a sweaty interval session, like that's really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. The the numbers and stuff are like interesting. Yeah. Holy, yeah. like five hundred watts two minutes or something. You're like, that's cool. That's You're like, oh, they must be doing that every day. Yeah, because I that's have, all I ever see. I have a um saying with a couple of athletes um faster athletes um who are quite you know, in the competitive end of their fields, fill the gaps. We have a saying, fill the gaps. So you put on social media what you need to put on and everyone else will fill the gaps with you doing that same thing every day. Yeah. Right? Like if I post up two four-hour runs, right? Like I run a marathon on Wednesday and then in the weekend, people think I do that all the time. It's the weirdest thing. every day. Yeah, yeah. Like, holy, I didn't know Will was running marathons every day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Even though like you can have that on Strava and look, and see, but people still think like they have this perception that you train a certain way, you know, because yeah. they don't, no one wants to look at like, oh yeah, they did a one hour easy ride. I'm not looking. Wow. They did this cool as <laughs> like hill climb. They got yeah. the KOM up, up to where's it's <laughs> man. They must do that all the time. But yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that part's so funny about how we think we know what everyone else is doing and then we try and mimic that and either we can't well well, either we overestimate what they're doing or we just can't keep up anyway (laughs) because we don't have that same level of fitness to be able to maintain it so yeah all right so we're not juggling blindfolded we're um we're in the gym we're doing some stuff we got jumped on smart mtb training got our training plan um yeah, what a, like how how many times should we be getting into the into the gym doing strength? Like is one one a week? That's all I can fit in. Is that all right? Yeah, if you if you can fit in one a week, that's better than fitting in none a week. Yeah, that's the way I look at that. And doing the home s- session, like that's pretty short and it's not overly intense. Um, and it but it does recruit our muscles in different ways and it forces us to move in different ways and. I think there's benefit in that, even though we're not doing like moving massive weight. I think it's really good. All right. We're through training. I think, you know, I've got my week sorted. I've got my strength session. Yeah. So intervals every day and strength, you know, <laughs> you'd be pretty good. Um, Now I'm race. Now I'm at the race. Yeah. What okay, can I do? I'm just gonna, what can I do I'm to gonna... maximize my performance in the race? Okay. Best thing that you can do to maximize your performance in a cross-country mountain bike race is to hold back at the start. Just but do then it. I'll be behind everyone at the single track. Ah, I know. Just uh, so I was pretty much the king of doing mountain bike starts back <laughs> in the the young days, and I could hang with pretty much anyone at uh, our regional series. You know, some of the fast pros or whatever. I could hang with them for. A few minutes, and then I'd pretty much die. So I 
figured, well, I just need to work on my starts. So I would start hard every time. I couldn't figure out why I can't finish with them when I can start with them. And I just realized eventually that my fitness wasn't at the same level of theirs, so there's no reason I should be starting with them because I can't hold it anyway. Let's just try and start easier. Started easier and I my performance started to improve. I started to actually go faster around a lap. I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And I know I found this out from looking at my power meter. I had my first mountain bike power meter in I guess it was like 2011. Early adopter, right? On the mountain bike, yeah, the quarks had just come out. So I had probably one of the first quarks. Uh not one of the first, but one of the earliest uh for the mountain bike. Um, I had a power tap before that and yeah I started to see how my power was decreasing as the race went I was like well that's why I'm going slower every lap it's because my power is going down every lap and I started the race at like a thousand watts <laughs> in a way of like 55 kgs what am I doing so I just started to pull back at the start and my lap time started to get even and I was like oh well maybe I can start to go faster on the last lap and I did. So that that is one of the biggest mistakes that people make is overpacing when they start the race, trying to go with people that are definitely way fitter than themselves. So try and start easier. See what happens. You can only lose like a minute or two on the first lap. So if it was that easy, you'll be able to make it up at the end. What about like somewhere. how? Like I'm not going to just, you know, wait for everyone to go and cruise off. Like how is, you still have to go kind <laughs> of hard, could. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's worth experimenting with, though, going, like, kind of easy off the start. Just to see, like, because you'll never try it unless you force yourself to do it. So you'll never know what's going to happen unless you force yourself to, like, just start off at, like, threshold and see see what happens. Yeah. I would bet that you'd probably go faster. Just yeah. let everyone go and pass them later. All right, just try right. it. Just try it. And within within the race, is there is there anything I should be concentrating on? Because um, power's like sometimes a bit hard to. There's so much going on. Yeah. You know, then in in my first uh, like cross country Olympic mountain bike race, man, I was like overwhelmed. There's people, you know, coming up behind me, and I was trying to concentrate, and I was trying to go hard, and. Uh, there's there's a lot going on if i'd known like what well actually i did because we did that follow-up race it was only a few weeks later and i started slower for one well i had a new bike full suspension helped a lot um but i tried not to push that i got this advice from you so i'm kind of answering my own question <laughs> oh yeah yeah i go ahead <laughs> uh tried not to um try i guess yeah. smooth right whatever you're saying like smooth is fast well that's what phil dumpy says uh for modern family slow is smooth smooth is fast <laughs> and it's the same in riding down a hill it's the same in starting a cross-country race um be smooth be efficient be a deliberate in what you're doing that was a that's, i was like thought about being efficient like yeah the way around yeah it's a well because mountain biking is about getting cross country mountain biking is getting around a lap in the shortest time possible and there's about a zillion ways to do it one of your methods is to cut the course 
<laughs> Accident. <laughs> Which I'm not going to let go. But it's all about efficiency. So if you just think about performance as being the most efficient body that you can be within that given distance over multiple laps, that is when you will get your best performance. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, and you know, one of the things that helped you when you were riding more efficiently is that you switch from a hardtail to a full suspension bike. Yes. And this is one of the things that really like that I, I feel very passionately about is that full suspension bikes are faster no matter what kind of the course. Oh, Jesus, don't even think hardtail. No, hardtails are slow. And the reason is, the biggest reason, it's not because of how the wheels are rolling uh, per se, but it's because every time you hit a bump, you need to stand up with a hardtail. So if you're going down a hill and you're hitting bumps, you need to stand up. Otherwise, it's bouncing you out of the seat. If you're going up a hill and you hit a bump, you need to stand up. Otherwise, it's bouncing you out of the seat. So what we have to do is we have to stand, which takes more energy because suddenly we're supporting our body weight. So this means that whether we're going up or downhill on a hardtail, we spend a lot more time using our upper bodies and our lower bodies just to hold ourselves up. Plus they're bumpy. <laughs> you know? Like they yeah, no, the smoothness was like game changing. Yes, because with a cross country, with, with a um, full suspension bike, you can just stay seated a lot of the time mm. and only stand when you really need to put out that extra power. So that saves energy just in itself. So if you think of the go- main goal of being really efficient, full suspension bike is going to help that. Yeah. So I think full suspension's faster. Hardtails look pretty cool, though. I always loved how like a pretty sick like hardtail race bike looked. Yeah, it's so light. Like slide yeah. as road bikes almost. It's crazy. It feels faster. Yeah, yeah it feels faster, faster up a climb, pavement. man. Yeah. yeah. On a pavement climb, like, <laughs> it's pretty solid. But there aren't a whole lot of pavement climbs in cross-country races in my experience. Yeah. So. There's not. <laughs> there aren't any. No. All right. Well, I'm clued up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go sign up some cross-country races. Yeah, it's we got- need a, a we need to battle each other again, especially because mm. I'm riding more, <laughs> you're riding more. You have a proper bike. Yeah, well, we need just to, like, like battle on a track. To before I went off course, accidentally I was ahead of you. That's you were you were yeah I was on your wheel, ish. Yeah, <laughs> like otherwise you could have said no, that's the wrong way, but instead you're too far back. And then just wanted to tell me at the end. <laughs> I saw you do it. I just, yeah. Then you, you're like, you did. I mean, I'm not going to say that you're, you're not a good mountain biker. I always tell everyone like, yeah, Will's pretty good at mountain biking. I think he should do more of it. So that's why I think we need a battle. All right. Well, we'll find right. a race. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Matt, thanks. Thanks heaps. That was Thank you. really, really informative. And I'm going to go sign up to smartmgbtraining.com to get all of the information oh. you just talked about in numerous different training plans, articles, and individual workouts. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Matt. 
Thanks. We'll catch you next week. See you then. <laughs>